This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up To The Point listeners? It is your boy, the host of To The Point Home Services podcast, Chris Yano. It is beginning of March, the end of Q1. I hope you've had a good run thus far. I hope everything's looking good. I hope the weather has certainly been helpful. Um, but I'm excited to be sitting across from the man, the infamous <laughs> Mr. Paul Kelly from Parker and Sons. Paul, welcome in the studio, man. Hey, good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's exciting after all these years to finally meet the Paul Kelly, Mr. PK himself. I like to keep a low profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not happening today. <laughs> so exactly. we'll have, I don't know how many thousands of people are listening to this podcast, which is actually uh, really cool to be able to say that. Um, but welcome to the show, man. Really excited to have you. Um, you did something. You did something else uh, here, what, the la- this past year. You wrote a book, man. I did. I wrote a book. It, uh, it was crazy. A lot of people were asking me to write a book, and I always wanted to write a book. I, w- I went to my wife, and I said, hey, I'm going to need some, some time on the weekends or at nights. And, uh, and she goes, why? I said, I'm going to write a book. And she goes, write a book? She goes, you don't even like reading. <laughs> I go, I didn't say I was going to read it. So I'm just write the damn thing. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, I'm excited to have you in here too. I think that um, a couple of things I just want to share with our listeners before we jump into your story. And for those who don't know, um, Paul Kelly or even Parker and Sons, which is here in Phoenix, based in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where uh, we're located. Um, it's only this small little itty bitty $210 million residential company in a single market. Like, well, is that the largest in the United States of America? It's got to be up there. Uh, and I mean, for yeah. a single market, it's got to be the biggest. Yeah, yeah. I think we are. Um, and, and we bought two other companies in town, which will put us at $250 million this year. Uh, who, who is it? Can you share that yet? Yeah, uh, Collins and All About Water. We oh, bought you, them oh, uh, bought last Collins. year. So yeah. Collins is my customer for a long time. Oh, yeah. Good dude. Yeah, yeah. Very I, I, good. I like him. I like him a lot. Um, we had a lot of great success, he and I. Um, I think we were trying to work on the balance of the uh, retail stores to the add-on replacement service side of Collins. Right, right. They're was, very uh, centric in uh, retail. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So great guy, great company. Um, we got a, we got a great testimonial video from him. Like he was great to work with. He and I kind of were aligned a lot. But um, hey, man, exciting listeners, Paul, you're gonna like this is gonna be crazy. So. In, we're a home services specific internet marketing company, my, my company Rhino that I'm the CEO of, but this particular podcast um, has grown to be number, but I think we hit number 19 overall in all marketing podcasts, all marketing number 19 in Apple podcasts for a home services specific podcast is pretty damn cool. That's pretty damn cool. That is awesome. We had a hell that of is. a year. We had a hell of a year. So um, that's exciting. And so, I mean, for it to be niche, man, we're just a bunch of HVAC plumbing, electrical like guy. I mean, it's not, we're no different. I work in the exact same field, but it's pretty cool. That was quite the accomplishment we're excited about. And what's interesting is that there's lots of countries that are listening. The top three, I think I told you this when we were on the phone was United States, obviously number one, Canada, number two, Australia, number three. But we've actually got a decent amount of UK and, uh, and Ireland listeners as well. Ah, uh, the Irish. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I know you know a little bit about that too yeah. with Laura, um, being from Cove. <clears throat> yes. Um, and so 
we, I'm actually going to Ireland in June. I'm staying the entire month of June. Me and my family, we did an Airbnb. We're basically going to be, we're going to, we're going to join the Irish. That's good. We are. I'm going to drink the Guinness. Yes, you will. <laughs> you will be at the pub a lot. I will be there. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. Temple Bar, here I come. Uh, so to all those in Ireland, in pure Cristiano fashion, I will be wanting to visit with some different plumbing companies, electrical companies, uh, heating companies, because there ain't much to do for air conditioning in, in Ireland. Mm. But I'm going to want to visit some of you. So if you're listening and you're in Ireland or Scotland, I'll make a trip over to Scotland too. Um, hit me up through the To The Point page and connect with me and I'll make sure to come visit your shop. And you never know, you could be uh, a rhino in no time because rhino Ireland, here I come. Maybe 2023, 2020, 2022, who knows what's going to go down. Once I learn the tax laws there, we'll figure out what's going to work out and what's yeah. not <laughs> to do business. But I'm excited to be there. And um, obviously when I told Laura and Josh um, that I was going over there too. She's like, you got to go down to Cove and visit her family. And so we will be going to Southern Ireland to go and try and connect with uh, her ah, folks, which I think awesome. we're just out here not too long ago visiting. Cause you got a, uh, you got a new little grandbaby. We do little Claire. Oh my gosh. Judy. Uh, changed our lives. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, no, no, we spend a lot of time over there. You dig it. You're digging <laughs> that grandpa life. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped to be over. Now. I love Ireland. Have you been, I'm assuming you've been over there. Yes. Uh, first time this past year and we stayed with and spent a lot of time with Laura's, uh, uh, family, a great family. Uh, yeah. so, uh, but yeah, no, I love Ireland. Uh, we'll be back. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Lo pubs everywhere. You yeah. can't throw a rock and hit a pub. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Um, I told, I was, I've told this story before. I think I don't remember if I said it on air, but when we went to Ireland, it was literally, um, right. It was in 2020, right. As like the travel ban hit, we were all, cause it was in March. We were all in, um, Belfast at this point. Cause we'd done like oh, the whole wow. loop. We did the whole loop. You from were Dublin. up North. Yeah. So I was in Northern Ireland, which is actually, um, probably my least favorite part of Ireland. Um, but our phones are all going off like at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's like, hey, did you hear about, because that's ahead in Ireland's ahead of the United States. Everybody's messaging us saying, hey, you guys going to get home? you going to get home? We're like, what do you mean we're going to get home? And that's when President Trump put the travel ban in place. Uh, so we literally had to cut our trip short, get down to Dublin, sit in customs for like 14 hours to uh, get back to the United States. So kind of cut my trip short, but yeah. I loved my week long trip there. It was absolutely gorgeous. So I can't wait to go back and meet with some of y'all contractors that are listening. Um, I do want to just throw this out there real quick before you dig into it too, Paul is um, for any of those that want to um, come and see me or visit me. Cause I would like to see you as well um, is I will be speaking at the PHCC event um, in Boston. Um, on, I think it's yeah March 5th, a PHCC on March 5th. I'm doing a, a, a keynote there for them and also doing like a, a breakout training, I think it is. Um, and then I go straight from there to really all four Linux lives. Uh, San Antonio is the first one. I'll be doing a breakout there as well. We'll have um, our booth and normal stuff set up. Um, in between San, I think the San Antonio and Philly Linux live, I'm actually heading to the Ream Pro Partner Conference in Vegas. Um, we will have Camp Rhino there where I'll be podcasting live, which is cool and moderating a marketing panel. So I'm pretty stoked for that. Um, and then I go back to the Orlando and then, and then finish with the lost Linux live Vegas show. Uh, you guys have been a part of the Linux live stuff before you're part yeah. of that deal. Um, and then I'll be slipping in the ACA conference as well, where I'm doing another keynote presentation Oh my gosh! and, and that's on March 28th through 30th. Doesn't that sound exhausting to that, you, Paul? Uh, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm wore out just listening to it. <laughs> so 
that's my life really. The ne- I'm actually, and that's just March. It's the same this month. I'm doing the exam. I'm all over the place at different locations, but listen, I'm beyond blessed to even have that opportunity to be able to go and do those things. So I'm excited for it, but I'm even more excited to be sitting across from you and to get into your story, man. Yeah. I've seen the Melvins. I've seen the billboards. I've seen the commercials. <laughs> I've seen so much all these years. I've always heard a really amazing, wonderful things about Paul Kelly. And now I finally get to meet the guy. Good grief. Um, so much respect for you and what you've done in the industry. Oh, and even just kind of your attitude and I think your heart for the trades and to kind of serve you know, like serve the trades and be helpful is certainly admirable. So thanks for that. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm going to ask a couple questions so we can kind of get to know Paul yeah. Kelly, besides the president and owner of Parker & Sons, uh, connected with the Wrench Group. Right. Um, Kenny Haynes has been in here before on this stuff too. Um, shout out to Kenny. He ain't listening to this. Um, <laughs> oh, he might be he now. He could be, yeah. Actually, I'm going to tell him I gave him a shout out. He'll listen. Yeah. So what's up, Kenny G? Uh, Kenny Haynes, and I, he was supposed to be Rhino X. We're filming this the week of Rhino X, um, and Kenny was here for Rhino X last year. So and he's missing out this year. So I hope you have FOMO, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ken's the CEO of Ranch, does a phenomenal job and uh, has really led us to, I think, be the leader in our space in the industry. So, so, I mean, and I have this connection with Kenny for all these years because, I mean, uh, Abacus, Allen was a customer of mine, Berkey's customer of mine, Plumline, customer yeah. of mine. We <laughs> just keep well, chip, taking yeah, all chip it away, <laughs> chip, chip it away. Jeff right. Belk's doing his own thing now in Chicago. Um, you know, um, anyhow, lots of like lots of our paths cross in lots of different ways, but um, so I want to try and find out kind of more on the personal side too. So, before mm. I get into um, not only just a little bit of your story, but also in the book, um, Tricks of the Trades to Success. Um, I'm going to just want to ask some personal questions about Paul Kelly so I can get to know you. Yeah, are absolutely. You, are you ready? Uh, ask away. Let's do it. Anything you want to know. Because I haven't asked this one in a long time. Uh, birthmarks, tattoos, no, no birthmarks. anything. Yeah. Uh, tattoos, <laughs> tattoos. I've only got one tattoo and I can't share. <laughs> um, okay, so listen, we have Mike Tyson coming into the Rhino X event um, and he's doing the evening keynote. And so um, I had to kind of get creative and come up with like, hey, what's a good entrance song for Mike Tyson? Um, you know, to not let, you know, a little iron mic down, you know, like so that's a lot of pressure. So, uh, I started thinking, well, man, I'm going to ask this question a little bit. So if Paul Kelly is coming out, right? Smoke everywhere, curtains open, arenas cheering. What is Paul Kelly's entrance song? My entrance song? Well, I don't know. I mean, Rocky theme comes to mind, but, uh, um, you know, I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. Um, I, I'd probably go with a Rocky theme just because that kind of pumps you up yeah. and gets you ready. And it, it's it's the story of an underdog, right? It is. Um, that wasn't expected to do much or anything. And uh, I think to some extent that's my story. So I'll go with that. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a line. Do you want to know what I played for uh, Ken Goodrich when I asked him that question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I played, do you remember this? This girl is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> he took the joke well. He took the joke well. Oh, that was hilarious. Okay, so another one. And hopefully I get to experience this because I will be at the um, at uh, Josh and Laura with Clover Marketing's uh, Mastermind Group with y'all. And I think that's also in March, right? It's, yeah, March 10th uh, or 13th. Yep, yep. With yeah. uh, a lot of amazing, like a small, uh, nice group of amazing contractors. Fun. I'm really fun. excited about it. And Rudy. There's another that's story. That's right, Rudy Rudiger. Yeah. Another underdog story. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to meet him. Yeah. Rudy. 
Jimmy, Rudy, you guys know who Rudy is, Rudy. right? Rudy. Okay, Rudy. <laughs> um, I mean, he only came in and then made a sack. I mean, come yeah, on, like yeah. got it done. Um, great story. But um, while we're there, I mean, you never know. If we could slip this thing in, it would be ideal. But if Paul Kelly had to sing a karaoke song, what would you sing? Oh my gosh, a karaoke song. You know, the ones that you sing in the shower and the yeah, car. <laughs> I would, uh, what would my karaoke song be? It's got to be something, it'd probably something be real simple, like row, row, row your boat, because that's about how that's, good my that's voice is. as good is. as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> because it's one note the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> row, row, row your boat, gently down the street. And I know the words. Yeah, so. that's perfect. Yeah, okay, well, that's an easy one, too. And it's only going to take you like a minute to sing it, so you'll yeah. be in there real quick. Okay, um, last one. This one will be easy. What is, uh, what's your drink of choice? Drink of choice is normally, I like to mix it up, but, uh, uh, Bacardi and diet. Bacardi and diet. Bacardi and diet. At, uh, but I can do crown and ginger and, uh, yeah, those are probably my two, uh, two go-tos. Now I know. Uh, used to be a beer guy, but uh, not so much anymore. No? Nah. Okay. <laughs> too many carbs. Yeah. Like beer belly is a real right. thing. It uh, fills you up too much. <laughs> it does, man. So yeah, and it's just, I'm a cat. I'm like, I'm a social drinker. So I have to be careful if I drink liquor because I'm just drinking and drinking. Yeah. And it's like, uh-oh. Uh, you and me both. So I got to make sure. Like, but I got an Irish liver, so that <laughs> always good. helps. You're, pretty, yeah. you're conditioned. <laughs> yeah. You're conditioned. Okay, listeners, uh, you got to know a little bit about Paul Kelly on the personal side of things, too. Now let's go ahead and get into business. Um, Paul, if you would, well, thanks for indulging uh, with me on, mm -hmm. on that little journey. Um, but go ahead and share with our listeners kind of how you got into the trades, a little bit of the Paul Kelly story. And then if you'd like, what we can do is um, – just kind of kind of go up to current day. Yeah. And obviously, like, you can kind of go as deep as you'd like, as high level as you like, whatever it is. But I just want our listeners to, who, who don't know who you are or Parker and Sons is to start to learn a little bit about who you are before we dig into the rest of it so they kind of understand, like, the value of um, the content that you're about to give them that are all listening. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, um, so a little bit about me. I grew up in Cincinnati. Go Bengals. Oh, oh, go Bengals. I, I think you've got everybody's a Bengals fan right now. Everybody, myself included. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, my my background, I came from a large family. Uh, we had five boys in one room, three girls in the other, three-bedroom house. My mom and dad got their own room for some reason. And... Uh, <laughs> And sounds like they didn't need their own room. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> he was uh, he was in the heating and air business. He worked for uh, the the uh, local uh, utility company, and uh, um, but eventually I went to college and I got my uh, degree. Where'd you go? And uh, uh, went to UC, okay. uh, University of Cincinnati, the yeah. Bearcats. Bearcats. Um, and uh, got my accounting degree. I uh, got my CPA. I was in accounting for a long time. I eventually worked for a company called Rotorooter. Uh, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. And, uh, and I was in accounting, handled the books, all that. Eventually got into marketing. Then I ran an operation in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Anyway, the further I got away from accounting, the more I liked it, you know, <laughs> be more in the action. And instead of counting the stuff, you know, after it's happened, uh, uh, being part of making it happen. That's and, good. Uh, and so um, worked for a company called Service America, which was a Ron Smith company way back when. Yep. And uh, uh, Rotorooter had bought them. Um, 
went from that to working for Blue Dot, which was a national oh. consolidator, oh, along yeah. with uh, service experts and IRS. We yep. we seemed to all make the same mistakes. <laughs> um, maybe we made them at a slower pace at Blue Dot, but uh, still made. And and uh, and then had the opportunity to uh, um, to uh, work for Blue Dot and. Uh, and then had the ability to buy Parker and Sons back in 2004. And uh, back then they were selling, instead of selling Blue Dot as a whole, they sold it market by market. Um, There's reasons for that. And uh, I helped sell some of the companies uh, and then had the chance to buy it in 2004. Back then we were doing uh, 7 million. It was a combination of three different companies. Uh, Parker and Sons just being one of them, and Parker and Sons did about two and a half of that seven million in '04. Uh, in '04, yeah. Okay. And then uh, it was mostly a West Side company in the Sun City area, and uh, retirement and, community. Yeah, retirement, and uh, and then and then grew it from uh, seven million to we'll do two hundred and ten million um, this year, uh, maybe two fifteen. And uh, had a ride of my life, uh, so to speak. And, and it's been a piece of cake, right? No and, bumps, no, no, no. <laughs> Perfect the whole way. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a partner back then, Vince, who you see on the side of our vans. And uh, he was he played the role of Mr. Mel- Parker. Uh-huh. Uh, but that really wasn't him. Melvin, who uh, our slogan was, uh, there'll be no Melvins on your job for years and years. And yeah. now we're kind of moving away from it a little bit. Right. But he was our warehouse manager, Jerry. He played the role of... Uh, of Melvin, Melvin and uh, and we took off from there. Um, it was originally just HVAC and plumbing, and we eventually added electric, uh, and um, d- we do water softening and RO. We do insulation now. We do uh, garage remodeling. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of a, a quick uh, yeah. a snapshot of of what's happened, and uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. Um, I f- you blew through that, which is totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and because I do want to get into the book too, and I wasted a bunch of time yeah. right in the beginning, um, before I go any further, well, when you guys could grab a notebook off my desk that has my notes from mine and Paul's conversation, please. Thank you. Uh, you don't need to edit that Ryan. Totally. Okay. Um, so, uh, so in 04, were you already HVAC and plumbing? Yeah, okay, we were so. HVAC and plumbing. We had two locations, one in Sun City where Parker and Sons grew up, and there was another company called uh, ECI, Environmental Conditioning, Inc., uh, another company called Walter Anderson. Those three companies uh, were all put together, and they added up to that uh, $7 million. But, yeah, just plumbing and HVAC, all um, mostly just residential. We did a little bit of commercial back then, uh, no new construction, um, and, uh, oh, so it was, uh, I'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like getting paid when I get done <laughs> with a job. Kind of the point. Or uh, knowing I'm going to get paid, right? <laughs> it's even with anxiety. better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so that's, uh, that's the short version. We obviously through that time frame. I mean, we started growing, you know, when I bought it, it was 7 million. The next year we did eight. The next year, 11, 17, 23, 30. I got them memorized for some reason. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, actually. And and, uh, and then and then it, uh, you know, we got that snowball effect going. Um, you know, in the early days, we just worried about making more out of the business we already had. 
Um, and then we got good at that. And then we started advertising and we got good at that. Josh was a part of our business back then and uh, for a number of years. Um, and then he split off uh, probably about four years ago and uh, started Clover. And yep. it's been so successful doing that, helping other contractors. He always wanted to not just help us, but others. Yep. And then his, uh, his sister took over, uh, Justine, and she's probably one of the best marketers in the business. Um, and her and I work together now and uh, still bounce uh, Josh bounces stuff off us. We bounce stuff off him and we share a lot. And uh, so it's been a family business. Yeah, my wife, super cool. Yeah, my wife works in the business. She does a lot of the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Uh, but she does oversee the warehouse, our fleet. We have a huge fleet. Um, and uh, how many trucks you get? How many, what's your guys fleet look like today? Uh, we I see it everywhere all the time. Yeah, so. we have uh, about 430 trucks. Got it. Yeah. So crazy. That's a lot of gas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a lot of gas. That's, that's one of the interesting facts I tell people is between all of our vans, 430, we drive about 26, 27,000 miles a day. So the circumference of the earth is 25,000 something. So literally we're driving around the world every day. Every day. Every day. That's a pretty yeah. crazy perspective. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> a lot of driving. Man. Yeah. A lot of gas and well, and a lot of uh, mechanical <clears throat> failure. Issue. Oh, yeah. 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 It's hard to, you know, and, and then more recently, so we, we were growing in the Josh days when he was with us and, we were growing, you know, four to five to seven million a year. And then all of a sudden, about four to five years ago, we started growing at 20 to 30 million a year. Um, and so going from five to seven million to 20 to 30 million was a big leap for us. So was it, there something pivotal in there that you were able to catch to kind of take that leap after all this time? SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, there really, there was. There's, uh, <clears throat> it's usually about people. And uh, I ended up being able to hire uh, Daryl Bingham, who used to work for George Brazil and yep. was, uh, and when I hired mm -hmm. Daryl, he was, he had similar skills as I did. And now I could split, I could split my time up and spend some time doing some other things while he focused on the operations. Yeah. And that one-two punch um, allowed us to start really thinking a little bit bigger and growing a little bit faster than I might have been able to do on my own. Not that I did it on my own, because that's not even close to right. what happened. But with, uh, with the help of a lot of people... But it, it was um, it, it was mainly driven um, at the top line, so to speak, by me. And so hiring Daryl uh, really did help that. And uh, we started rethinking some of what we did in marketing and advertising and um, really how we went about business. And uh, and it really paid off. Well, so um, 
a couple things you said I just want to go back to for a second. Because mm-hmm. um, when, when you and I are talking ahead of time on this, I, you know, something you had mentioned is you had worked with Roto-Rooter, and one of the people that who had, had a great influence on your life was Bill Griffin. Bill Griffin, yeah. One of the best CEOs that I've ever had a chance to uh, work with. And then you'd also mention the Wizard of Ads. Yeah. And so yeah. Mr. Ron's, Ron, Ron Smith. Ron Smith, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I can... Um, I knew Ron and, uh, um, you know, learned so much from him. I can learn from anyone and I can learn from someone that I never even meet. Uh, I learned from George Brazil. I learned how to, how to put an image of your company up and how to brand. And, uh, I had never met George until I bought Parker and Sons. Uh, but it, um, you know, I think in this business and that's what you all bring to light in spades is, you know, learning from the best. And I've had the pleasure of learning from some of the best in our industry. Yeah. And it's clearly uh, paid off, but you know, I think a big piece of this too, that I've preached over and over again, every keynote I do, every breakout I do, I always try and slip it in there is, and it's even on the walls in this office is, um, these, these two sitting in the room have heard me say this many, many, many times. They're like, okay, Chris, we get it. We've heard it. Um, ambition without action is, is useless. Yeah. So I've I can't tell you how many, and you've experienced this too, no doubt. Um, and then I'm going to go back to the leadership piece you talked about, but so many sit like the, we're fortunate enough to actually have a, a media source kind of like this, where we can spread to the masses in our industry, to our peers, mm-hmm. um, a ton of content, kind of share the things that you've been through in those growth to kind of put some checkers in place for those listening who might be sitting at a million, 3 million, 10 million, 20 million. I have, I have, this platform to give our listeners uh, advice from the best who've already done it. So that way they can, you know, try to grow their businesses faster. You, you didn't have that. You had peer groups you had, you could go visit shops like you have your friends, but you can spread it faster like this. Oh yeah. So it's a way to kind of impact the industry um, on a grander scale at speed. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful I get to be able to do those things by having guys like you, like you on to share your story. Um, so, but people too often take down, you know, take the notes or they're driving. It's kind of hard to make notes. Even if you do like voice recordings, whatever it is, go and give a keynote. I always will talk about my 95, five rule, 95% of people in the room. We're going to write shit down, go home and then go back to their normal lives and do no, make no changes. But the 5% that do are the ones that are, we call the five percenters. Those are the ones that make a difference. They're not, <clears throat> excuse me. They're not always, I'm not saying that the five percenters have to be the biggest contractors. It's just that that small of a number are the ones that actually go back and implement the things into their business and try it. And if it fails one way, they'll try it another way. So they don't just stop. You know, it doesn't just like fizzle out. So uh, listeners be a five percenter, like take action. Um, If you get, if you hear the same thing enough times over and over again, it can't not, not be true. Like it's got it. There's gotta be some validity to it, but something that comes up often that I am a huge fan of. And I just um, sent one of our, uh, my executive team members over to do some leadership training is this leadership piece. Like I think people underestimate how incredibly important it is to scale your business by having the right leadership in place. And I think what happens, and you probably know more than me on this is that you get tripped up on the expense of bringing that person on board when there's no actual like financial you know, gain to that immediately. Yeah. So it's hard to justify the expense of, because a, you know, a really good leader doesn't come cheap. No, no. Or, or you say to yourself, <laughs> I don't have a position right now. And that's where I was with Daryl. When I met him for lunch, he wanted to start, um, things had, had kind of went, um, the wrong way at the George Brazil and he wanted to leave and, um, and he wanted to start, 
uh, start uh, the uh, the electrical department at Parker and Sons, and I said, Nah, not right now. I don't really have a position. I don't want to start it right now. But it's not if I'm hiring you. I'm hiring you. Uh, it's what you're going to do. And uh, when you see talent that is that good. Um, you got to grab them. It, there is a war on talent, and we'll probably talk about that later. But um, and a lot of people think it's just at, you know the technician level is what everyone talks about. But but there's not too many Daryls or um, Leland's or you know um, those kind of people in the world. And when you find one, you grab them because they can transform your business. Yeah. So I'm actually really happy to hear you say that. That's something that. Um, it took me a little bit to, I've been in business 14 years, again, serving the trades with digital marketing for 14 years, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, kind of our baby, uh, now roofing and a little bit of garage doors. Uh, but something I have gotten more comfortable with over the last few years is um, when I look at my org chart, I might find somebody who is an exceptional leader that came up and is interested in working with Rhino, but I don't have a position for him or her yet. But when I recognize good talent and leadership, I've now said, I don't know where they're going, but they're coming here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we're going to find a spot for them. And then they're going to naturally start. I have an idea of where, like, where they would fit in. Um, <clears throat> but I don't, I may not be definitive. I'm like, yep, or had that role in my plan. But now it is in my plan because um, I believe so much in leadership to scale the business, um, not only for just to kind of get their, um, skill set, their brain, their um, critical thinking, their different perspective. Um, I brought in a gentleman from uh, was ARS Rescue Rooter for 10 years um, who came from the digital marketing space for all those locations and had a new perspective on things. And he said, I don't want to be a part of that flip anymore. Uh, I want to go back. I want to go be a part of an agency and you guys are the most reputable. I'm like, thank you for we found a spot for him. Yeah. And and he's a financial guy. Like he's a financial guy, but a digital marketing guy, which is great for analysis. I yeah, love that. That's very unusual. It is super unusual. <laughs> so I was like, I don't care where we're at, but we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna get him on board here. And he started last year and he's already having a great impact on the business. But I say all this to say it took me also a long time to recognize I needed to make sure if I if the right person comes up that you know um, matches your values and you know has all the right skill set and all those things, but you may not be ready for that you're more ready than you think. Yeah. You'll make the move. And then that person is typically going to be smart enough, intelligent enough to start to also figure out like where they can have the biggest impact in the business too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, uh, so yeah, Daryl, Daryl helped. And we, um, you know, we started, um, growing at a much faster pace, you know, after we added Daryl, um, and, and a lot of other people too, it's not just Daryl that we really started grabbing a lot of talent from a lot of different places and, uh, and, you know, um, uh, started to uh, really accelerate. So this wasn't magic. Well, a lot of people think it is, uh, <laughs> you know, some people can't wrap their head around what we've done. They, they say 210 million in one market, one company, we're operating out of one facility. Um, it, it's sometimes Daryl and I look at it and we say that, this can't be happening. Um, <laughs> Still today? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, crazy. yeah. Yeah. On a, on a busy day in, uh, in uh, Phoenix, we can take 6,000 calls. 6,000 calls. And so now we can't run that many, but, uh, but we can run a lot. And, but you can uh, take those calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, 
But no, it, you you start thinking at a different level. And that, that's part of what the book is about, is getting people to think differently. And when you think differently, and you know this, yep. then you start doing things differently. And and that's what makes a difference. Yeah, and um, I think it's really good for, I'm going to put it back in the five presenter category, that it's why I think like, everybody else is thinking, why continue to do the same thing everybody else is doing? You're offering the same service. You got a different brand. You have, like, what can you do to set yourself apart from what everybody else is doing that you're doing in the same market? Like, so I'm a fan of, of thinking outside the box. I'm a fan of trying different things. And, you know, COVID, if anything, I think gave a lot of people put some backs against the wall to force you to do something differently, mm-hmm. which I actually think is an absolute blessing of a gift we got. I'm trying to find silver lining there. It was phenomenal for our industry to be deemed essential business, what we've been forever. Yeah. Um, it's just, we made it known. Um, so I'm a big fan of out of the box thinking, but you, you know, I, I go back to this whole thing on, it's not magic. It's still a lot of hard work, a lot of grinding, you know, constantly just a lot of figuring out, like it wasn't that this thing now just runs smoothly as it grows. It's just a different set of issues or problems that you have to work through to try and solve. Um, and so, but it's not, it's not magic. It's like, you have like this big sea dust that made you guys so successful. No. And a lot of, a lot of people ask, they'll say, you know, you must've had this great vision when you started and you must've really known where you were going. And, and I tell them, no, I, I was just trying to make payroll. I was (laughs) just trying to make ends meet. Uh, and so it, um, you know, you don't have to, you know, when people think of that $200 million company and they can't relate to it, uh, trust me, uh, everything that we do is simple. The reason we're successful is we simplify things that other people sometimes make complicated and we get down to the core of what really makes something work and we forget all the other things. And if you simplify something down to its core, it's easier to implement. And that's what's hard. There's a heavy lift when you learn something and there's eight steps to it and uh, you need this and you got to go through this training and there's, you know, six classes you got to go through and, you know, and most people just kind of look at it and say, I I don't have that kind of time. I can't do that. Um, What I try to do with everything that we implement is make it really simple so that everyone can implement it. It's a one-step process. It's this is the one thing you got to do. If you do that one thing, uh, then you can build on that, but that one thing will make a big difference. And that's that's been part of our success, the simplicity of what we're doing. It's not, uh, we're not a complicated (laughs) business and we have the same problems that everybody else has. If you're a $1 million company or a 5 million or a 20 million, we've got the same problems. We just have a lot more of them. And scale. And, uh, and so, um, if you ever get frustrated with your business and you want to talk to somebody that's got a better story (laughs) than you, uh, talk to me because I I already, (laughs) I already been through a lot. I don't, uh, people say, you know, I've seen everything. I tell people, don't ever say that. There's always a tech that's going to come up with something you haven't seen. And, uh, and uh, we're surprised every day sometimes. But, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's a fun business to be in. Well, my guess is that um, a lot of that's also in the book here too. Yeah. Now, now, you used to um, perform a little hmm. magic, is that? I did. True? I did. As a kid growing up, I loved magic. Um, you know, I think everybody loves magic. Of course, and, it's cool. And what do they want to know as soon as they see a good trick? How'd you do it? <clears throat> How'd you do yeah. it? So <laughs> it's always, it's it's the trick, right? It's the secret. 
And, um, and what I learned about magic when I was practicing, and I learned more practicing magic than I did actually performing, uh, because you really do, it's not, it's not magic if you're not really good at it. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so it, uh, but what I learned was it's a lot like business or a lot like life magic is it, it looks like it's some, some magical thing, but when you break it down and you actually see how a trick is done, um, sometimes it's really simple. Um, I, I, I took a course, this was just probably 20 years ago and, uh, I was probably 45 years or so. And, uh, um, I see a class that's being offered by the Mesa uh, community college and it's on magic. And I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to go ahead and go to that class. Uh, so I sign up. And I go to class. And Wait, when was this roughly? This was when I was maybe 42 to 45. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I go to this class and uh, it's, uh, it's a bunch of little kids. There's one teenager. There's maybe one 20-something-year-old and then me. <laughs> I felt like uh, uh, Kramer at the dojo <laughs> or something. And, uh, and it was, it was uh, and I thought, ah, man, this can't be a class for me. And he shows this really simple trick that if I showed it to you, you wouldn't be able to figure it out that little kids can do. And, uh, and he got me even more interested on the simplicity of some of these tricks. And so then I asked the instructor or the, uh, well, he was an instructor, but he, he was actually a magician, um, if he would give private lessons and I would go to his house and he would teach me two tricks and then I had to practice them. Then I had to come back and I had to perform them in front of him. And when he felt that I could perform them well, then he would teach me two more tricks. And that was a valuable lesson to me is that, hey, you know, you just can't spew out at a seminar or whatever what you want everyone to do. It's all about the practice, you know, the implementation yep. um, and getting good at something. And, uh, and so that's... Um, you know, over the course of about two years, I learned, uh, I was traveling a lot and I would practice on the plane. I'd grab somebody next to me on a plane or at a bar or whatever. I practiced up in my room. I practiced on my family. And I got pretty good at about uh, 25, 30 tricks. And then, uh, and then the business took over and I don't really practice or perform magic now. Um, um, but, uh, but when I do retire, that's, that's, that's something, like, yeah, that's something <laughs> that's I want to get back into cause it's fun. It's fun. Just, uh, you know, seeing the expression on people's face when, you know, they can't figure out what just happened. This sounds like great party tricks. Like, yeah. hey, you know, Paul is a great time. He's like, yeah. he's like, uh, give me a drink. Give me yeah. some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so listen at, at the Clover mastermind thing, you I will teach me a simple one. I will deal. I will deal. All right. Perfect. Um, well, what's interesting is that you kind of talk about how some of the, of the learning of, of magic is also kind hmm. of made your brain think differently in, in business, maybe by simplifying or whatever it is. So it's kind of an out of the box thought process, but your book is kind of all geared around like the magic theme. Yeah. Like what's the, uh, is that because of this? Yeah, that was because of that. It was, uh, you know, it was because I correlate magic with business. 
um, and, and personal life, that everything can be broken down into this thing. And if you know that one thing and that trick of doing something, um, and, and it's fairly easy to implement, that you can really wow people, you can really amaze them. And, uh, and really, our business is just a series uh, of, you know, a bunch of tricks that we know that um, sometimes other people don't know, or, or we just do it a little different. Got it. So it's actually kind of interesting, because creating a, a big, healthy skill, like all the, it isn't magic, but yeah. it's interesting how you've taken that and pulled it into like yeah. the how it's how magic is broken down. So like I'm I get it. Um, you have a chapter in there that's a snag with the BHAG, which by the way my team knows that entrepreneurial operating system <laughs> traction been a part of that. Um, but it's called a, a snag with the BHAG, where you talk about um, you're not a, a big goal person. And you and I actually talked about this on the phone a little bit too. Um, you're not a big goal person. So I'm starting to actually connect the dots now based on what you're telling me. I mean, listen, you you started as an accountant, like the accountant path and you ended up here, but like explain what that means on you're not Mm -hmm. a big goal person. Well, I, if I want to lose weight, um, and occasionally I do, you can probably tell, um, (laughs) that, uh, you know, I want to lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds. Um, it's a big commitment, right? And there are some people out there that maybe they want to lose 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. That's a hell of a commitment, right? You have to change your life, right? That's a big jump. And you got to not be expecting instant gratification. I'm different. I, I can't wrap my head around big goals. I have trouble. You know, a lot of people say, well, you reach for the stars, you know, then you'll hit the moon. moon. I can't, I can't reach for the stars. I can't physically do that. I can't hit the moon either. Right. I can, I can climb a ladder uh, <laughs> and I can pull and I can grab a rung and I can pull myself up and then I can grab another rung and pull myself up. And for me, that's how I operate. And maybe some people are like that. It doesn't mean that having big goals isn't a good thing. Uh, it can be. Um, but you got to break them down. And I don't even have big goals. I just have little goals. I always want to get better at something every day, uh, a little bit. And, um, and so that's, that's who I am. And so that's why a lot of people say you must have had this, you know, this huge goal to be a $200 million company. No, I was just trying to make payroll. And then we started slow and then it, it gradually grew um, and even today, what I teach is like have small goals. You can always reset them. Right. You can reset them daily <laughs> if you need to. Uh, but small goals are easy to reach. And when you reach a goal, you get to celebrate. You get to feel good. Yep. You, you've accomplished something. Which is an important part to goal setting. Yeah. But you have some big audacious goal, right? And it might seem unreasonable to some. Maybe it seems reasonable to you. But to others, it might just be out of reach. Like, it would be an unreasonable goal if I said everyone should do a hundred million in revenue or 200 million. Can't wrap your head around that. Right. I, I couldn't have either. I have trouble wrapping my head around it right now. Right. And, uh, and so it, small goals are, are, I think the way to, uh, constant improvement and for doing well. Um, so, yeah. And so I, um, I know when you and I were talking about this too, we had, I had done a podcast on goal setting because I do it, um, as a rhino, you here for the entire staff It's just something I feel like I've been successful with is goal setting, but kind of the same thing, even though I'm a gigantic visionary, 
I have to be able to work backwards from that goal with checkpoints to kind of feel like to your point of you have to feel the successes of hitting those checkpoints or achieving those goals because that's what continues this, the cycle of you wanting to complete them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some of these instances, I have to almost have to retrain my autopilot um, or my habits to achieve those goals. And that's difficult. So if it's too big and it seems like, oh man, I'm like now six months and I'm not there. Hmm. You start to get defeated if yeah. it's too big. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's kind of where you're going, but for me, I've, ex- I've experienced those things too and had to kind of reset expectations. But we also talked about like, to your point, um, it's okay to change your goals mid year, like quarterly, if you need to, you even said daily, if you need to, um, because sometimes things happen in our business. COVID happens. You got to rechange the game. Like, and that's a, a, a big example, but like, there's still a lot of things that happen where it's totally okay to change your goals right in the midst of goal setting. Like yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, no things, <clears throat> things happen. You're, you're not in, in uh, total control. Uh, weather can affect your business. Yep. You, you want to weatherize it, but it, um, and so, yeah, you, I think you constantly have to look at your goals and when, when you achieve a goal, whether it's losing a pound by tomorrow, then reset another goal, another pound by the next day or another pound by the next two days. And once you get in this goal setting, goal achieving, you know, rhythm, then uh, you'll see the acceleration of uh, your results. Love it. Um, goal achieving, important. <clears throat> um, so quickly, so I think this kind of will, will flow right into is your chapter on grow like a fish. It's really about limitations. Um, you know, stop a company or a person from being more successful. Um, explain to our listeners what you mean by that and how it relates to fish. Yeah. Well, I had, I had fish growing up and, um, and you and kept them alive. Yes, I <laughs> All did. Right. That's yeah. success for the most part. Fair fish, <laughs> state fair fish, the county fair fish. You had county fairs in Ohio. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, but no, I had fish growing up, and uh, I loved working with fish with the kids, and it, it was something to take care of, and it was kind of relaxing and that kind of thing. And like what kind? Like freshwater fish, saltwater fish, like any kind of fish. I never, I never did the saltwater. That is another commitment level. It's like a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, to eat yeah. No, these were just freshwater. Uh, but anywhere from, uh, I mean, we did have you know uh, fish eating fish where uh, you know Oscars where yeah. you uh, feed them live fish. Those are the big. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. big ones. Yeah. Um, well, they can grow big, and which was the point of the of the fish story. They and grow to their environment. They grow to the environment. Ah, so I see where you're going. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because uh, a fish will grow to the size of the tank it's in, and how many other fish are in with it. And I found that companies and humans are the same way. Um, I can almost I I can guess pretty well what. A company's revenue is in our industry simply by how many square foot they're operating out of. And, uh, and so it, I mean, you can't grow. Now there's exceptions. I would say Parker and Sons is one of them. I mean, we've figured some crazy ways to grow in a fairly small geographic space. Um, but, you know, the building you're in can restrict you the parking lot and how much parking you have can restrict you. Um, those are physical, you know, restrictions that, you know, limit growth. There's mental, you know, limitations that people have. Oh yeah. And unless you expand that tank and you do that by listening to these podcasts and you do that by attending seminars and you do that 
by getting a mentor and Beer groups, whatever, visiting yeah. other companies or yep. whatever, but, but you can really expand your tank and your knowledge. And, uh, and so really that's what that chapter is all about. It goes into more detail on how to expand your tank and, uh, and some of the lessons I've learned in that process. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great analogy. It's, it's, as people read the book, it, it seems to be the favorite chapter that everybody talks about. That's the favorite. Yeah. Cool. So don't, so I shouldn't, I'm going to start with that chapter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, everybody should start with that chapter. Um, so, okay. This makes sense to me. So the bigger the tank gets, the more you grow the, the fish in the tank and the business, you can scale the business, but continue to grow the people in the business. So almost like uh, ceilings. Like if you have leadership in place and they've got a ceiling, everybody below them can only be as good as that person who has the ceiling. Yeah. Um, so which is where leadership training comes in, all kinds of different trainings to continue to scale. Yeah. And some of, some of, so that's the tank size. And then, and then it also grows by the number of fish that are in the tank. Now the number of fish can be the number of competitors in your market can somewhat limit your growth. But um, it's mostly the fish I relate to all the problems that a business has. Got it. When, when, when mm -hmm. someone gets inundated with so much going on and there's this and there's that and, you know, so-and-so just left and I have to hire this and I just lost this customer. And then all these problems are all these fish and you're going to have trouble growing if, if that's the environment you're in. You need to get kind of outside that tank and, uh, and in a different tank where you're thinking of your business a little bit differently than the day-to-day -day problems that can limit you. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I've never heard kind of that whole, like it explained in that way of all the time and all the people I've worked with, but it makes so much sense. I can't keep fish alive. The only fish, <laughs> and I don't want, because, oh, hold on a second. Let me, let me rethink that. <clears throat> like a real fish <laughs> in my house. So we have, uh, like the fair fish would come in. Yeah. Where it, you throw the ping pong you ball, gotta be in throw the ping pong ball and you know, and the holes barely big enough for the penguins. You gotta be like dead on to get it in there. Um, <laughs> but we've bought fish and like, I've got four kids. We've done the fishing. You've know, got the tank, kind of done the whole thing and all the fish never make it for whatever reason. We actually had, when I first started, opened up this office here, in Phoenix, we had a huge uh, fish tank. My old partner um, had a huge fish tank forever, um, and we killed those fish. Um, not on purpose. <laughs> it just happened. But the damn fair fish. We didn't fish, kill them. They died. They right. died. <laughs> and it wasn't my responsibility, just so it's clear. But um, but the fair fish that we had, that thing lived for like three years. You know those little, you know, because they're not meant yeah. to, like, I they're like beta. Or, uh, was it a beta <laughs> it like, fish? It, a little beta? It was a beta. Yeah. It made it so long. I don't, was like, uh, don't put two betas together. I heard. They'll, yeah. uh, they'll kill each other. That's what I heard. Yeah. So we, we had we had two separate ones and they lived so long. And but they were like so low meat. Yeah. So, but anyhow, I don't even know why I shared that story. But I'm really I'm not great with fish <laughs> in that manner. <clears throat> um so let me get, go move on to this thing too, because this is something that every listener can relate to and um whether you uh, I've been in business a, a year, you know, five years. It don't matter. Um, there is some low-hanging fruit in the business, and the low-hanging fruit is how to make more out of the business you already get. Right. Um, right. And you kind of have a whole chapter dedicated to to this as well. So um, just give a little explanation on, like, the importance of being able to maximize the business that you already get. Yeah. So in the early days when we were $7 million, we it, it wasn't making money when I uh, bought it. And uh, – 
And so we, I just wanted to concentrate on the business we already had. Everybody on that's listening to this podcast has a certain amount of business. And you can take those customers and make more out of them. And so we wanted to get good at that. Um, it starts by answering the phone, right? Um, and uh, some, some contractors don't do that well. Um, and that's a fair statement. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell people sometimes people lose as much business as they get. That's great. On the phone. Super true. Yeah. If, if you do the math, there's a math, uh, equation in the, in the book that you can realize how much money you are losing. Cause it's not just a customer you're losing, you're losing their business potentially for a long time and all the referrals that they have. So the lifetime value of that. Yeah. Customer. You start doing the math, it gets really ugly quick. And so, I, you know, we, we have this mantra at Parker and Sons, you got to answer them all. You got to answer all the calls and you got to be good at overcoming objections and booking the call. Sometimes 6,000. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then, and then you have to be good when you go out there, you've got to be good at closing the call and making sure you do business with them and setting up, you know, leads for uh, system sales and selling accessories and uh, all those things and asking for referrals and all those things are, are business that you can get from the business you already have. And why not start there, right? And then once you're really good at that, answering the phone, sending the tech out, closing that call, making more out of it, you'll find that your average ticket goes up, your close rate goes up, and, um, and you're making better money. And when you're making better money, guess what you can do? You can advertise. And advertise. And then, and then everything that comes in is worth more. And then you can get what Parker and Sons got in spades is the snowball effect going. And when you have a snowball going downhill, it can grow really big, really fast. And so that's really, I tell people all the time that they want to, you know, have the phone ring more, um, and they're having trouble with their advertising, whatever. And, um, that, that's the first thing I do when I, I've traveled to probably a hundred plus companies in my lifetime and uh, they want help growing and making more money. Those are the two things that we all strive for. And the first thing I always do when I go in a company to get a real beat on what's going on. I, I go into the call center. Oh, call center yep. yep. And I want to find out, you know, what's going on there. How far are we booking out? Um, sometimes someone will call me in to help with their advertising. I'll go into the call center and they're booking out like three weeks. And you're like, Hey, your advertising yeah. is fix this. <laughs> yeah. That's your advertising. Right. Right. <laughs> so at, uh, um, so yeah, I think there's, uh, and, and we do a, uh, a good job, but we can always do better at Parkinson's. We're always trying to perfect it and get better at it. There's a gold mine sitting right in front of everyone right now of the business you already get, make more out of it. That's great. So actually I want to piggyback on that real quick before I segue, but, um, into like, how do you support the growth, even when you make those changes or you fix those issues, but, um, Having worked with, I mean, you're, you're talking about 6,000, you know, uh, calls. We're just throwing that number out there. But it, we're listening to in the um, hundreds of thousands of hours of calls because we, you know, at Rhino, when we have an internet marketing customer on board, we listen to every single phone call that comes through that we generate. A human being listens to that call. So we hear how the CSRs are performing. So a lot of times, to your point, is they might be booking at a 12%, a 18%, a 21%. And I'm like, um, and they'll uh, they'll spend the least amount of effort on fixing that 
and they'll want to spend more money on marketing. And we'll say, let's work on the CSRs and their booking rates because they're, um, they're incredibly low. And this is like a low hanging fruit fix if you find the right person. So we want to, I mean, we'll have 60 people on the call listing, Rhino Tracks call listing reporting team somewhere in that. Now, I don't know them all. It sounds awful, but they're remote employee, but it's a big team and it keeps growing. Yeah. But the thing we never got away from, and I've done this since the beginning, like Paul, it was me building the websites, doing the internet marketing, listening to the phone calls, shorthanding it into a spreadsheet to track lead quality, CSRs, where did it come from? Who's booking it? All this stuff so you don't leap. It was kind of like the gist of it. But from that, we do CSR assessments every single month. And the frustrating thing for me would be looking at what people's booking rates are over and over and over, month over month over month, and it's not getting better. So I finally was just like, how can I solve this problem for them? Like they'll kind of maybe bring somebody in, half-ass it maybe for a month or two, and then it fizzles out. And it's the same problem over and over. And there's a lot of turnover in that, in that particular position too. There can be. Yeah. Um, but so I just brought in a coach. It's a new service that we offer. I get to roll out at Rhino X, which is cool. And I brought it in and got, had a, a great a guy who came well-respected in the industry who was great at it. I'm trying to solve the problem on behalf of the contractor because right. I want to grow too. I only grow if my customers grow. Right. And that's usually the low hanging fruit to go after is let's keep track on what their booking rate is and see if we can enhance it. You enhance that thing 5%. That can mean hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Big change based on the size of the organization. So Yeah. And you don't know any call that comes in that that you don't answer for any reason. That can be a wrong number. That can be a vendor. That can be a tune-up, be a repair, yeah, yeah, whatever. or it could be a three-system, you know, a $50,000 call. Don't would, know. Would anybody <clears throat> decide to, not to answer that $50,000 call? No. Not willingly. But you don't know you which one it is, so you're just left with, you have to answer them all. A hundred percent. So this is for sure, um, yeah. we're tracking. Yeah. So one thing that I, I wanted to, that I think you'll appreciate this. I'm trying to use the leverage that we have even though I'm not, I can't control their operations of the company. I can only leverage the things I know to help give them enough information to make their own changes and then encourage them over and over to do it. It's the accountability that I can add beyond what they're at, what they're paying me to do. But when I find somebody who is um, starting to slide on that, it's like on the internet more, or on their call tracking, or excuse me, their uh, close ratios or whatever it is. I'm just feel like I'm trying to solve the problem for them. But I want to I want to just take a quick segue because I almost lost I completely lost my train of thought what the hell I was going to talk about where are we at because I want to pick it up I had something really good what did you just finish on saying uh, you don't know which call that is thank whether you very it's a much 50, okay, perfect yep. sweet because I tried to talk my way around it and I couldn't get back so I appreciate you I had to I had to wave the white flag here's what I was getting to shit that was awful um, that's okay see this thing is this is real life that's how my brain works I'm ADHD um, missed calls. So it's something I've harped on forever with our contractors is to say, hey, here's somebody who calls you missed this month, which I think is absolutely, unex uh, un is like unexplained. There's no reason you should be missing phone calls today, for sure. Um, worst case scenario, find the least suckiest after hours answering service, <laughs> because that's kind of what you're dealing with, and, and pick them and then hold them accountable too. But I love to be able to see what people paid to miss those calls. And the thing that bugs me is kind of what you just said is, what was that missed call going to be? Right. Because you just don't know what you just gave up. It's that important. So I try to use the influence of saying, hey, I know from five to nine, it sounds awful to have to pay somebody to answer that phone from five to nine, but I promise you 
after hours leads close at a high rate. There's sometimes higher revenue attached to it, whatever, but there's opportunity in there that is the value is far greater than what you think you're the expense is going to be. But yeah. that missed call. I don't know, Paul, like for me, it keeps me up to think like, Oh shit, what was that call going to be? Was that going to be one of those $50,000? The answer is probably there's yeah. probably some of those in there. Yeah, no. And I think people like anybody can justify something, right? And you, you end up talking yourself into, well, you know, everybody misses calls. And, and to some extent, you're they right. Normalize it. Everybody not, does. Yeah. <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that, that you accept that. It doesn't mean that you start there and say, everybody misses calls. So that's why I do too. Um, no, it, uh, every call is important. You paid a lot of money to get that phone to ring. Yep. Um, some of it may, some of it may be your own customer who has used you over and over and over again, who's your biggest referral and you're deciding not to answer it. It just, it, there's, there's not, there's not much good that happens when you miss a call. Right. No. Uh, <laughs> so, I think the risk is too great. Yeah. The yeah. risk is too great. And, and, and bringing in new business is difficult enough and yeah. expensive enough. And it's only getting more expensive. So that's an easier fix that most still just blow right past. Yeah. Hey, sorry to the point listeners. I know I did it again. I have to stop this thing because this is going to be a two part series and you just listened to part one. Um, how amazing is Paul Kelly? What a, an organization he has built and such a good dude. So you have to tune in to the next episode, which is one ten for the second half of the Paul Kelly story to 200 plus million dollars in a single market. Can you believe it? Until next time, we'll see you. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.